I'm your girl, Latoya Francis, and you're listening to the On My Soapbox podcast. What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining us for another episode in the series we're calling French Toast and Happily Ever Afters. This season, I'm talking to people who mean a lot to me and who I believe carry insights on relationships, which has been truly beneficial to me and I believe can be beneficial to you. Today, I'm talking to half of an inspirational couple. She happens to be the partner to one of my longtime friends. Without further ado, help me welcome Naima Abed. Thank you so much for having me, Latoya. Thank you for the warm welcome. My name is Naima, as she said. And yeah, I'm happy to join. I'm happy to join and to contribute. Awesome. Naima, do you mind telling us a little bit about you? Like, by the way, where are you calling in from today? All right, great. So I'm calling in from Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, and I'm in the HR profession. So basically, I'm a recruiter and I'm a career coach. So I help people just get a better view of their career. And the other things I do also, I paint, I draw, and I'm a bit of a free spirit. So I think that's most of what you need to know, basically. Nice. Well, it's a pleasure. a very amazing man as well. Wait, wait, wait. Repeat that. Repeat that. We can run that back again. Say that again. Which part? <laughs> I think I, I think I cut back in when you said something about an amazing man. Oh, yeah. I'm married to an amazing man as well. So I will be here on his behalf as well today. Awesome. Awesome. I'm really glad to have you today, Naima. So you know what? Without further ado, we're going to jump right in. So my first okay. question is, and I have to preface this because I feel like so far in a couple of the interviews, I've found out that some people don't really subscribe to this idea of the one. So I'll say mm. as a preface, if you do subscribe to the idea of the one, how did you mm. know he was the one? Oh, that's an easy one and a tough one at the same time, right? Because I feel as though when Lesan and I met, first of all, it was a long distance relationship from the word go. So I was in the UK and he was in Kenya. But one of the things that really stuck out for me was that I had come out of a relationship that was not great. And I was one year, you know, post recovering from that relationship. And I really wasn't thinking too much about dating. Um, but I did have a list of things that I kind of did want in an ideal partner. And I'm putting quotes <laughs> in this, right? <laughs> so I prayed about this a couple of times. And I remember talking about it to a friend and I was telling my friend, like, you know, I have this list and I wrote it, but it's neither here nor there. It has very generic qualities, you know? And my friend said, you know what, if you want something, then you might as well be as specific as you possibly can about what you want. So that night after I had the conversation with my friend, I sat down and I was very, very specific about what I wanted in a partner. Now, to give a bit of context, in that time, I had already started speaking to my husband, but we were just friends. And when I wrote those things and, and just dedicated them to God, in the couple of weeks, Lesan and I, oh, I even said his name, Lesan and I began to be more intentional about our friendship. And some of those very specific qualities that I'd highlighted just came up. Uh, they just came up. So it couldn't have been a coincidence, I suppose. And we just ended up having a lot of shared values. And even with regard to how we looked at the future, it just ended up being very in tune. So I felt as though, yeah, this is a partner who is in tune with who I am and where I want to be. So, yeah. 
I know that makes sense. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I was going to ask you, because you said like you had a list. <laughs> so, yeah. Because I know like you, because I've heard and um, even just in communication with other friends and, mm-hmm. you know, family members, even, there's different kind of outlooks on this list. So what made you decide that actually I want to write a list or have a list and, and really be like praying to that? I know you said you spoke to a friend of yours. Yeah. But did you have yeah, a um... list before talking to the friend? And if you did, like, what inspired having that list? Yes, I've always pretty much been a yellow pad kind of person. So I'm, I'll have a yellow pros and cons. But then even before I spoke to my friend, I just, I guess it was just in the hopes of putting down what I wanted, right? Not just like more saying it out to the universe, but I just kind of wanted to put it down where I can see it so it's tangible, right? So I had that list and it wasn't very specific. Like I said, it was neither here nor there. And then I spoke to my friend who made me think about it deeper in the sense that it needs to be as specific as possible. You know, like the message needs to be as specific as possible. So even in instances like maybe I was being shallow, like I want him good looking. I want him six feet two. (laughs) You know, I had to include those kinds of things. But even on a deeper level, I had to ask myself in terms of values, what do I want in this man? Because that was always a problem before. And I just felt as though moving forward as a grown up at that point, that it was something important for me to consider. So how was his relationship with his parents? Right. How does he treat his siblings? Is he an honest person? What are his views with regards to friendships and close relationships? So those are things that I had to double down on. Does he have a support system? Those are things that I had to think about that I hadn't thought about before with regard to this person. So, yeah. No, no, that's really good because that kind of like ties into my second question was like, you know, what Mm -hmm. are some of the character traits that you look for? I know you listed out a few there and you talked a lot about values as well, especially for our generation. I think not. And again, just by my observation and the conversations that I have, Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem Like, you know, I guess also if you don't have like a faith background, I don't see a lot of people paying (laughs) attention to values, right? And so can you talk some more about that? Like, why was that important to you? I think what's happening today, honestly, I can't even go into it because it's just a lot. There is very little emphasis on shared values and on character, which used to be one of the pillars of relationships, right? So as I said, I just come from a relationship that was not very great. And based on that relationship, I just did not want to put myself in the position to repeat those mistakes. And also I wanted a healthy love, right? Because I feel like one of the hardest things is moving from a space where you were in an unhealthy situation and moving into a situation that actually fosters your growth. So that took a lot of knowing myself first. Right, which is the reason why I took a whole year even before I considered like dating or getting close to anybody. So even for the person who was to come to me, they also needed to have a certain level of emotional maturity in the sense that if you've dated somebody, how have you felt about your previous relationship? How do you talk about your ex-partners? And how do you talk about previous relationships that you've had? That was important to me because that's a question that can really bring a lot of light into somebody's character because How do you talk about the people who maybe in your life at that particular point, you know, you don't see them in the best light. So emotional maturity was a big one for me. Are you open-minded? Are you open to change and ETC? 
So openness was another thing. And it had to be a very big thing because remember, I'm in the UK, this person, my husband at that time was in Kenya. And I wasn't really thinking about, you know, dating very much at that particular point, but I did have a lot of hopes and dreams. I'm somebody who was pursuing my master's at that particular point. And I knew that down the line, probably like six years down the line, I would come back to Kenya. I would go back to the UK at some point, do my PhD and, you know, settle in the UK. So I also needed somebody who was, you know, a visionary and who was able to be open. I needed somebody who was honest. And that was a big one because, again, having relationships with people who cannot be straightforward, that will not work out from the word go. And it ties into a lot of things and it's just a recipe for disaster. So obviously, these are things that I had to deeply think about because the people around me at that particular point, my parents included, I've always had a very happy marriage. So I even saw from them like the things that were important in relationship. I think it's important for us to have role models around us. Because if you don't surround yourself with people who are in healthy relationships or are in, you know, just stable relationships, then it becomes difficult for you to gauge, okay, what do I want for myself? Because that's your environment. If your environment is filled with people who are divorcing each other, cheating on each other, lying to each other, then what is healthy in your mind is very different from a person who's grown up and seen something different. So I think also because I had those loving relationships around me, I was able to look at them and say, oh, I want this from that. Oh, no, I don't want this from that. Maybe let's do it in a different way. So even as I was coming up with these values, not just for myself, but for the future relationship that I wanted, I borrowed a lot from the things around me in terms of what to do and what not to do. I feel like I've gone on and on, but I think you get it. No, no, I, that's amazing because I think some of the things you've said, I feel like over the mm. past few, I would say like 18 months, were things mm. that I have also started to focus in on, especially the point that you made about hearing how people talk about their past relationships. You know, mm. are they painting that mm. person in a negative light? Are they, yep. even when it was a horrible situation, are yeah. they able to highlight those things about that person, that kind of, you know, honors that person, even though, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like you can still speak truth to a matter and still bring honor mm-hmm. to that situation. Exactly. And I was, I guess, a situation was brought to me. And when I started to hear how that person started to speak about their last situation, I was like, yeah, no red flag. Because mm-hmm. even as a husband, you know, you're supposed to cover that person as your wife. Mm-hmm. And I get that you're not mm-hmm. there anymore. But for you to come and the first thing when I ask you the question is for you to be like, saying something in a negative light I was like yeah mm. no I'm good yeah so I really like that I also like what you said about having those models around you to be able to kind of identify what those good relationships look like and then also giving you choices to choose what mm. you want and what you don't want from a situation like I wanted to cut in but I didn't want to like break the audio but you were dropping a lot of gems just now like I think if anybody who listens to this episode I think there's a lot to glean, even from that response just now. All right. So my next question to you then is, it seems that you're wise for your age. So I'm going to ask you, what's one thing you know about relationships now that you wish you knew maybe before saying I do? Because I do think even though it seemed that you approach it from a mature standpoint, as humans, we're always learning things. So what's one thing that, you know, now being in it that you wish you knew before you came in? A lesson that I have actually recently learned is 
the ability to fully accept your partner. When we were going through marriage counseling and everything, we were talking to this lady who went like, you need to think about it this way. If your partner remained exactly as they were, (laughs) or as they are right now, would you still be willing to spend the rest of your life? And keeping this in mind, maybe you're thinking about things, because you know, marriage is really about the nitty gritty things. You hear people arguing about taking out the trash and you're thinking it won't happen. Like it doesn't make sense. But my husband and I have actually found ourselves laughing at each other and being like, yeah, me for real. Like this was an actual thing. And it doesn't happen the way you think. It happens because maybe there's a lapse in communication somewhere or you're both just tired or there's an expectation that is somewhere that hasn't been spoken out or whatever the case. That question at that particular point, when I was being asked or when we were being asked, I don't think either of us really thought about it. We were just like, yeah, yeah, we're good. But then as now we're clocking out of our first year and into our second year of marriage, I sat down and I was thinking, yeah, you know what? It's important to ask yourself that question each and every day. Like, am I okay with this person as they are? If they were to be like this forever, would I let go of my need to control, to change them or to make them somebody who fits into who I am better? And I'm putting that better in in quotes, right? Because there is no such thing. And that ties into something else called forgiveness. Because if you're asking yourself that question every day, like if this person was to remain the same person every day, then you let go of the expectation that you need them to change or you need them to be somebody different. Even in the small things like leaving cups on the counter or breadcrumbs on the chair, whatever petty things come up. Like if this person was to do this thing every single day for the rest of our life, would I be okay with it? And would I be willing to say, okay, in my heart and just forgive and just let it go? So yeah, I think that's one important lesson that I've really had to learn and I'm still learning. Oh, that's really good. I was watching kind of a snippet, I think, with Jay Shetty and his wife. Mm-hmm. And she was mm-hmm. asking him a question about, I guess from her point of view, she was seeing it as her being annoying, like asking him to go get her water or get the remote when the remote's like right almost next to her. And yeah. she asked and she's like, you know, and I'm paraphrasing why don't you get annoyed? Like, why do you keep doing it? Even though, you know, it's obvious Mm -hmm. that I'm inconveniencing you. And his response was, you know, his first thought is, okay, yeah, this woman is crazy. But then (laughs) he stopped and he thought about it. He was like, you know what? I realized that in those moments, in the little things that you do that to me might, or to another person might be annoying. When you're asking me to get you water and get it yourself, or when you're asking me to do this or whatever, I'm realizing that in that moment that that's the way that you want me to love you. And I think kind of that idea of what you said about, you know, loving someone regardless of whether or not they're willing to change. Those two things connected for me for some reason. I'm not sure yet. But like that was a thought that immediately came to me after hearing you say what you said. Because I do think a lot of people go into these relationships and they don't consider that. Most people don't even get like premarital counseling. Yeah, right? yeah, and to realize, okay, you need to have like an objective third party who's able mm. to kind of help you see through any fog or any you know clouds of infatuation, and to help you realize the magnitude of the decision that you're about to make. So yeah, I definitely think that. But you see, you won't realize. <laughs> I'm not like trying to dampen the impact of premarital counseling, but at that particular point, to be honest, you can only know marriage once you're 
in it. I you can get the idea of marriage. You can prepare a little bit, but you can only get the experience internally. So when people are telling you, oh, you're about to make this life altering decision, you're just like, yeah, yeah, cool. I love this person. We're good. You get into it and you realize, oh yeah, for real, like this is a big decision and I'm going to have to stick it out. And it's a good decision, but you just need to have a lot of mental maturity for it. Fully agree. And in the same breath, I also know of situations where it was through premarital counseling that people actually had to take a step back and was just like, ah, maybe we actually didn't count the costs. Maybe we actually didn't, you know, see what we were getting prepared for. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, do you think or would you happen to have any advice on how you think persons in relationships or, or within a marriage can make it through the hard and rough times? I would just speak from what has worked for us. I think just being there for each other, like being fully present with each other has helped a lot because you're doing life together. You're living together. Each and every emotion that you will have your partner will have, whether passively or actively. And whenever you get into situations where you're in bad spaces and maybe you're not communicating, it's always important for you to love each other through the hard moments. And sometimes there are no words. So the best thing you can do is just be there, be present and communicate that you are there. Sometimes that is more than enough to get people through the hardest of seasons because The worst thing you can ever do is make your partner feel alone. doesn't matter what you guys are going through. It really doesn't matter. The external situations don't really matter, whether it's between you two or whether it's with you and something else happening out there. As long as your partner feels that you are there, then that helps a lot. So loving each other through the hard moments, being there for each other, being present with each other through those moments, that helps a lot. Yeah, no, that's really good. I fully agree with that. This idea of presence, I think that goes a long way and making sure you're able to communicate that in a way that the person is able to receive that, you know? So I think in some of the conversations that I've had up to this point, it's not a yes or no answer. It's okay when the person Mm -hmm. asks you a question, it's realizing I need to respond in a way where they're going to hear me as being here and actually Mm -hmm. hearing their perspective on a situation. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good. Yeah, and also loving someone how they want to be loved and not how you think is okay to love them, right? That one was a big one, was a really, really big one because loving somebody how you want to love them is a little selfish, to be honest, because then it plays in your comfort zone. But it's a lot of people's default, right? You have your own love language and you'd like to project that onto your partner. And your partner keeps communicating that they do not feel loved, yet you in all your power are trying to make them feel loved. So both of you end up feeling frustrated. Um, It's important to learn how to be there for each other, how to love each other the way the person wants to be loved. There's an as a very strong asterisk there. So I keep saying this to people and sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but I just suppose it makes a lot of sense to me because people receive love the way that they require love so no that's fire i fully support that and champion that Mm -hmm. that thought you said something earlier on you said that you at the stage of looking for or being open to a relationship after your last relationship you were looking for a healthy love and i think in what you just said this idea of loving someone the way that they want to be loved 
to me, that is definitely one of the tenets of what a healthy love looks like. Yeah, it is. not selfish. It really, really is. Because I think I would get into situations where, and I genuinely don't blame how these things came out. Because when we're young, our point of view is very limited. How we view the world is very limited, right? Also, our brains haven't matured enough. So I was constantly in situations where people around me, not even just in relationships, but people would feel as though they're putting in a lot of love into me and I'm not feeling it, you know? So I had to ask myself, okay, so what is this really about? So the moment I realized the things that for me clock in as love, these are the things that clock in as love. It was also my duty to communicate that to the people around me, like, listen, this is how I want to be loved. So now the ball is in their court, whether they want to honor that or whether they want to keep on you know, loving me how they want to love me and then complaining that I'm not receiving their love. No, man, that's that's really good. So my last question for you, Naima, is, and I feel like you've shared a lot of wisdom and given, you know, a lot of gems throughout the interview. But do you have okay. anything that you would say to your younger self? What you would have done differently as it relates to relationships and the way that you approach relationships in general? So my younger self would definitely be love myself a little more. Because then the love that you give to yourself, it reflects in every decision that you make, including relationships. I am fortunate that by the time I met Lasan, I had already begun, you know, my self-love journey. So I was at a good place, but I feel like as the years go by, I'm in a much better and a much better and a much better space. And the more I'm in a better space, the more quality relationships I'm able to attract to me. Because I know myself more, I know my pain points, I know my triggers, I know the things that are good for me. And I'm also able to attract people who are bringing that to me, who are bringing the safety that I need, the love that I need, the peace that I need. So it would definitely just to be love myself a little more, love myself a little harder and know myself a little more so that I can make the decisions that honor me and in turn will honor the people around me. That's dope. Thank you so much, Naima, for talking with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great even having to just reflect back on my relationship and in my marriage and my partnership. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So at the end of each of these episodes, I'd like to close with something inspirational, either a quote or a passage of scripture. And I think based on the discussion that we're having today, these two verses came to mind. The first one is Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 3. And it says, and the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And the second one is Proverbs 24, 3-4. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And I feel like the conversation that we had today, two things stood out to me, this idea of having a vision and not just having it in your head, but writing it down and making that plain. So when it shows up, you have kind of a measuring stick, if you will. And I use that word measuring stick very loosely. And the second thing that came up to me was when I think about what a successful relationship looks like, I got a picture in my head of a house, a house that is well built a house that is not just built with empty rooms or just built for show. But I do believe that a good relationship, it has fruits that to me is akin to a house filled with rooms of 
whether that be children, whether that be of just family, whether that just be of love, understanding, and that support that, that one needs in this journey called life. So just want to thank everyone for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I ask that you share it, that you comment, that you like. If you haven't subscribed to us on any of the podcasting platforms, please do so. And we also have a YouTube page that's at Francis the Dreamer. So please subscribe, share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. So until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to the On My Soapbox podcast. I'm your girl, LaToya Francis. Until next time, stand for something or fall for anything.